Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Today's word comes from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 6. 2 Samuel, chapter 6. I'm going to read it in two parts. I think it's a way of delivering the message in, a, in this particular chapter in a, a good way. So I'm going to read from chapter 6, verse 1. David again brought together out of Israel chosen men, 30,000 in all. He and all his men set out from Bala of Judah to bring out from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim that are on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which is on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it. And Ahio was walking in front of it. David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with songs and with harps, lyres, tambourines, sistrums and cymbals, the whole worship band of those days. Now when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out, took hold of the ark of God, because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act before God. Therefore God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, that place is called Perez Uzzah. Now David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The title of the day's word is Strictly Come Dancing. Now, who likes Strictly? Not many. Oh, there's a couple. Now, why do we have a title of a popular TV program? And what does it have to do with the Bible, and in particular this passage? Well, we're going to be coming on to the second part of the reading about worshipping and dancing shortly. But firstly, I just want to look at the significance of the word strictly. Don't you just love a pastor who can do graphic design as well? Look at that. Every week I look forward to a graphic design from Phil. That's a great one. Um, The significance of the word strictly. Now, in this passage, it's it's important to understand strictly. Not meaning scary or frightening, but something that has to be done well to get the points on offer. Now, like the dance show, the couples have to dance strictly well to receive the points. You know, those who know the show, if you dance badly, you might get a one from Craig, the nasty judge. If you dance very well, you might get a ten from Lynn. Yeah, or a seven. Like our faith, Christianity has to be done well. If you don't do it well, you, you won't get the blessings from God. You have to live our faith well. So first of all in this story, the first point I want to make is God and his word are holy. Now the story here features the Ark of the Covenant. Not Noah's Ark, the big boat, but the Ark of the Covenant. The ark is the carrying case of the most sacred objects of Israel. 
contained in the ark are the tablets of stone that Moses received the Ten Commandments on. A jar of manna, which is the bread that God sent to the Israelites in the deserts. Now this is a reminder to all the people of Israel of how God miraculously provided for his people in the desert. So it's always a permanent feature in the ark. A constant reminder to all the people of Israel. And also in the ark was the staff of Aaron. And this was a symbol of the high priest's authority. Now this ark, fully laden with gold, cherubim angels on the top. This was made specifically to God's instructions. God gave the specification to design this. All these regulations and rules are in the book of Exodus. Unlike Ikea, there was no parts missing on this. This was all there. Every part was there. As well as the specific instructions that God gave to the people to make this, he gave specific instructions how to handle it, how to carry it. We read in verse 6, didn't we, um, where Usa reached out and took hold of the ark because it wobbled and God struck him down. So why did this man just, why did God brought death to this man just because he touched the ark? Is this too harsh a punishment? What kind of God are we serving here? Is it it's quite severe? He's quite a strong God. Now God gave specific instructions as laid out in his law. Specific instructions. Now God, now King David knew God's word. He was excited about bringing the ark, bringing back it into Jerusalem. He was so excited. He just grabbed it, put it on a couple of cows. But he ignored the instructions that God said, I want it carried like this. King David ignored the word. He forgot the details of God's word. This is the reason the man died. You cannot have the joy and all the enthusiasm and the spirit. You've got to have word and obedience to the word. Or it all goes wrong. So what are we embarking on adventures without God's word? Are are we planning things and and forgetting things and and not putting God's word in the center of this? Are we being guided by the Holy Spirit? This is a reminder to all of Israel. Enthusiasm must be accompanied by obedience to God's laws. Now David would not make that same mistake again. David knew... It was his fault for transporting the ark carelessly. Now, when I first read this story many years ago, I I thought, wow, this is too too harsh. Who wants to serve a God like this? This is just too severe. One little mistake, boss, you're dead. And what? What's going on? But when you really get a revelation of God, when you realize how holy and perfect he is, he doesn't just write rules for writing rules. He wants you to observe and put into practice his rules. Think about all the things he's done in your lives, your loved ones, your work, your precious ones, your children, your everything. I want to look at my wife. I thank God for her. But if I treat her badly or disrespect her, lust after others, do I not deserve discipline from God in some way? In all areas of our lives, we need to be putting God's word into practice, not just 
in church, but outside these four walls, in our driving, in our workplaces. Everything needs to be respected and regarded as holy from God. We need to have obedience in the small things. Now, touching the ark was a small mistake, but God saw and sees all errors, all our mistakes. This is a reminder that he sees all our small mistakes. Psalm 11 verse 4 says, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord still rules from heaven. He watches everyone closely, examining every person on earth. Let's read that last bit again. He watches everyone closely, examining every person on earth. Whoosh, makes me, he's watching. He watches everything, what we do in the secret place, what we do in every time. It's not just enough to be singing, playing, preaching, dancing before God and enjoying, just enjoying his presence here on a Sunday. We need obedience to the Bible too. We need to take the presence of God into all the areas of our lives outside. But how do we do that? Read the word, pray with it, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, meditate on his word. It's the most wonderful word. Psalm 119 verse 1 says, Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Who walk according to the law of the Lord. King David in this case, did not walk, did he, according to the law of the Lord. So we must ensure we are walking according to the law of the Lord. Verse 9 and 10, continuing Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Do not let me stray from your commands. Yes, Lord, we don't want to stray from his commands, do we? We need to put into practice what Jesus is teaching us. So I want to continue the reading now. From the rest of the chapter. So continuing from verse 11. So the Ark of the Covenant is being taken to the house of Obed-Edom in verse 10. Verse 11. The Ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the Ark of God. So David went down. And brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might, while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women. And all the people went to their homes. That is a lot of cake. There was 30,000, wasn't there? Wow. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, 
came up to meet him and says, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler of the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this and I'll be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honour. And Michal, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. So King David has learnt that the house of Obed-Edom had been blessed by the simple presence of the ark of God in his house. So, so King David wanted to get it back, and he said, right, I'm going to bring it back. And this time he transported it correctly to the rules that God had given him. Now we know that when we have done things not accordance to God's word, or otherwise sin, when we sin, we are now forgiven through the blood of our Lord Jesus. Amen. So after repentance and heavy hearts, what more can we do? And shout, smile, and sing of God's great work in our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So my second point is, from this story is, it's okay to rejoice. We can be happy. Yeah. Now we read, as David was bringing the ark, that he was celebrating. In, in, uh, in, in the chapter, in verse 5, it says, David and the whole house were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with songs and harps, lyres, tambourines and cymbals. Then again in verse 15, the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. Now shouting, singing, dancing, playing instruments are all expressions of our adoration before God. And when you know what Jesus has done for you, I know I feel like shouting, Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus! Well, God created music for worship of Him. Shouting, singing, dancing, playing all these beautiful instruments. It's all a way of just adoring Jesus. That song, receive our adoration. It's all for His glory, for His presence to fall. Turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus died for you. I'll say that really grabbed you. <laughs> Turn again and say it again. This time I want the person the other to say, Hallelujah. <laughs> it's good news. It's good news. Of course, there are times for everything. The book of Ecclesiastes says in a particular chapter, doesn't it? There's a time for everything. There is a time for repentance and heavy hearts and sorrows. A time for sadness. There's a time for tears. There's a time for death. But there's also a time for rejoicing. There's a time for dancing and singing and shouting. It said in verse 5, David danced with all his might. And in verse 14, David, wearing a linen ephod, danced with all his might. With all his might. What does that mean? There's a word now in England that I, I, I particularly think is great for dancing with all his might. It's bonkers. He was dancing bonkers. It wasn't just a simple... You know, a little sway of the arcs here. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. He was going bonkers. Yeah, you've got the worship group behind. You've got thousands of people dancing and celebrating. David was just full of joy of the Holy Spirit. He was going crazy for God. He was going crazy. Remember, he was the king. He was the king. He wasn't worried about how he was dancing. As he said, 
I'm dancing for the Lord. I'll only ashamed myself. I'm bothered. I'm dancing for God. He sees my heart. There were not four judges marking him. Craig wasn't there with a one paddle ready to say one. He was dancing for God. Which is really good, really. Because I love dancing for God, but it's, it's not coordinated. Not really. But I enjoy it. I just enjoy it. Why not, you know? Can we imagine our queen and our princess dancing for God? In the streets of Buckingham Palace. Prince Charles, you know? It'd be like one of those uncomfortable uncles at a wedding, isn't it? No, because we expect our royalty to act with dignity, decorum and class. But King David, is royalty. He, he wasn't acting with class. He was just not bothered. He felt the joy of the Holy Spirit of God welling up inside and it exploded. He was overflowing with joy and adoration and celebration before the Lord. The Bible talks about singing and dancing many times. Just a couple of many. Uh, Psalm 30 verse 11. You turned my wailing into dancing. Wailing is crying. You turned my crying into dancing. Psalm 33 verses 1 to 3 says, Sing joyfully. Verse 2, praise the Lord. Verse 3, sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. And a couple more. Psalm 149 verse 3. Let them praise his name with dancing. And Psalm 150 verse 4, praise him with tambourines and dancing. I think the Bible is encouraging us to dance. It's okay to rejoice. Hallelujah. I believe there are countries here where dancing for God is a normal thing. Churches just dance and sway. And Now before Jesus beautifully came into my life and just rescued me and, and, I, and just fell in love with him. My God, my idol was a football team. 11 men in shorts. Can you believe it? It was my idol. They were, for many years, many, many years, I used to stand watching the games with my friends. We used to sing. We used to shout. We used to dance all the time. And because they were a pretty good team, we had lots of celebrations. Wasn't any rubbish team, a very good team. And we had lots of opportunities to celebrate goals. And one particular game, a guy shot the ball, the goalkeeper died, he saved it, he pushed the ball out. Another player shot, it hit the bar, and it came out, the crowd were going, whoa, you know, it's exciting. Uh, and then the ball came out again, and finally, from a very tight angle, the winger came in, a cracking goal. The crowd went mad. The crowd were going crazy, pandemonium. We were dancing, we were singing, we were crying. I was hugging people I didn't even know. Crazy. I don't know you, but yeah, we have something in common. Uh, another game, there was a cup final. Not yesterday's cup final, by the way, another cup final. But yesterday was actually quite good. There was a cup final many years ago. Cool. I was eight, I was 17, I think it was. That's a long time ago. We were, the team, we scored a goal and it was the lead. We were in the lead with about 15 minutes to go. And it was just going crazy. The noise was deafening. I thought the stadium was just going to rock. It was just so incredible. Then the other team scored two other late goals and won. Football teams, they turn our dancing into crying. Absolutely. 
So it's good to go. You know, it's good to celebrate things that God's given us. And, and there's nothing wrong with a good goal at football. It really isn't. But can we go crazy for Jesus? Of course we can. We can go mental for Jesus. He only just died on the cross. Come on. Fantastic. Absolutely. Hallelujah. So when we worship Jesus and when we really come into his presence, incredible things and blessings from God can happen. Worship is liberation. It's liberation. It's not just singing a song. This is worshipping. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, King Saul was tormented by an evil spirit. And his advisor said, let us find someone to play the harp for you, King Saul, to drive away the evil spirit. It continues in verse 23. It says, whenever the evil spirit came onto Saul, David would take his harp and play. Relief would come to Saul. He would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. The devil hates our worship of God. He can't stand. He has to flee. He has to flee. So if you're feeling down, burdened, put on some Christian music or just start singing glory, glory, Jesus, glory, Jesus. The mood lifts. It really lifts. I've noticed it so many times now. For years when I'm working at home, a few years ago, I used to struggle with that. But now it's just so liberating. It really is liberating. But some Christian music, I'm saying, God, you're here. I'm alone, but you're here. Your presence is here. And then I can do a good day's work with the presence of God. The atmosphere lifts. really does. So be careful of what we're listening to, what music we're listening to. Put us with Christian music and just feel the atmosphere lift. It's liberation. He hates our adoration and worship of Jesus, the devil. He cannot stand it. Cannot stand it. Worship also leads in to other gifts. In 2 Kings chapter 3, Elisha was asked for a prophecy from some kings. But he said, no, bring me the harpist. He wanted to worship first. Let us worship first. Then he was able to give his prophecy. He didn't give his prophecy first. He goes, no, I'm going to praise God. Let's worship God first. When we praise and worship God first, gifts follow because we're in his presence. And when his presence is here, his Holy Spirit is here, the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are so big, so enormous. And when you worship in spirit and in truth with all your heart and soul, it breaks chains. Remember Paul and Silas in prison? They were in their chains, dirty, bitten, beaten. Didn't stop their worship of God. They were singing worship songs to him. They were praising his name. Chains broke. Doors fell open. It's liberating. Not just physical chains, but chains of addiction and sin. If we're trapped in sin, the more you worship and fall in love with Jesus, those addictions fall away one by one. One by one. I just cannot believe what he's done in my life. There were some addictions, some sin, but more I spent in time in prayer and meditating on his word, getting surrounded by good Christian people, worshipping him. You don't want to fall into those traps anymore. You don't want those anymore because you know it hurts the Holy Spirit because it's convicting all the time. The Holy Spirit convicts you. Worshipping and dancing, I'm going to dance my way into heaven, tell you. All the way through my life, I'm going to dance and sing all the way to heaven. 
Do you think in heaven it's all going to be a bit somber, is it? There's a massive party going on in heaven. So much dancing and singing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So having looked at the holiness of his word, and it's okay to rejoice, the final thought I want to share with you about this passage, it comes with a warning. It comes with a warning. It's to be careful of your hearts towards others. It's being a critic of others. So we are warned at the end of this passage how jealousy, our negative thoughts towards others are seen by God. They're not just private thoughts. Again, God is watching everyone. He sees our obedience and he sees our thoughts. These can take us away from the intimate relationship we can enjoy with our maker. At the end of the chapter, we see Michal, daughter of Saul, in verse 16, saying, she despised him in her heart, despised David in her heart. And in verse 20, saying about David's behavior, not fitting for a king. How the king has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls, of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. Michal here was quite bitter. She was very anti-David at this moment. She was allowing her jealousy, her negative thoughts to really come in here. Now our culture, English culture, people may think we're a bit reserved, a bit boring, I suppose. <laughs> but, but there are other cultures where expressions of joy is, uh, is, is so much. And I remember a time in Colombia where we went five years ago. We go every year, but this was about four or five years ago during a a camp meeting during the Easter week. And there was worship. There was a preaching, there was a worship. And I was with another English guy we took with us, actually. And um, suddenly, during the worship, all the Colombians, they started picking all the chairs up and moving them to the side. They started moving them and made this massive dance floor. And they were giving the old la, 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 and all this. They were dancing. And I was... And me and my English friend, we're over here. Oh, well, this isn't for us. We're English. We're far too sophisticated for these Colombians. I'm not going to be dancing in that. No way. I'm just, no, no, that's not our culture. Sorry, darling. But you're a little bit mad. Uh, Lily was there as well, dancing. Crazy. And I was standing over there. And suddenly, one of my sister-in-laws, and there's many of them, she came over and she goes, Vamos, Steve. She grabbed me by the hand, threw me in all the center of all these people. And they were dancing. I was going, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> la, 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 I was so full of the joy of God. Not. It was crazy. I thought, this is so uncomfortable. This isn't for me. And, but what was I doing here when I was standing over there looking? I was being Mikhail, wasn't I, in, in the story? I was looking critical of those. I just thank God for his grace. I could have been like her and look at these dancing. Who are they? No. But um, by God's grace, he got me there and I was in the middle of all this. And my journey with Jesus, I thank God for Columbia really because that's where I really, God spoke to me in Columbia so many times. And it was this moment again, I'll always remember it. I was in the middle of this. Everyone joyful adoration before God and I was looking around thinking what am I doing then I felt the Holy Spirit and the God come on to me and say Steve my son 
Aren't you going to dance for me? Aren't you going to dance for me? You dance all those years for football teams. You dance in nightclubs. And that was nothing. To do. Well, you're not going to dance for me. I sent my son for you. And I just fell on my knees. And I just felt this heaviness, this repentance. And I thought, Jesus, I love you. Of course I can dance for you, what you've done for me. And I remember which I, I just, I don't know how I danced. I might have danced pretty well. Did I dance well? I can't remember. I kicked off my sandals. I was barefoot and I was just going for it. Jesus, oh, it's just so liberating. It was the first time I danced. I remember saying, this is the first time I danced for God. First time I danced for God. How liberating it was. So good. I remember the songs, the first couple of songs. The English, the Spanish version of the English one, Trading My Sorrows. I'm trading my sorrows. And I'm trading my shame. And I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. Singing, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Amen. (laughs) That was one of the first songs. And at the end of it, they were copying me. Si, senor, si, si, senor. They were copying me. Sounds better in Spanish, doesn't it? Cambiare mi vergüenza. Brilliant. It was just... This is how God works. He convicts your heart. He comes in in situations where you can't expect it. And it's liberating. Liberating. Now, Nicole, like me, she could have joined in the celebration. She could have joined in, but she didn't. She allowed her bitterness to turn to jealousy and despised David's outward expression of joy. How are our hearts? We need to examine our hearts. When others are working for God, worshipping, preaching, serving God, are we critical of them? Are we thinking, oh, I should be doing that? All right. What are our thoughts towards that? Are we thinking of God and his ministry to us? Or are we allowing our hearts to think negative thoughts of others? Now, I was thinking of other things in Colombia before I was dancing. But God saw that. Like Mikhail, she was bitter. She paid for it. She did not have a loving relationship with the Father. And she could not share in the joy of the Israelite people. She could not enjoy. We should not look at others and comment upon them. We need to have the revelation again of Jesus and what he's done for us. Now, I, I, I play the guitar on some of the Spanish services and some of the groups during the week. And I know that I play one or two duff notes per song. And others may have noticed and say, oh, looks," but they may think, oh, Steve played a bad note. But, and I could think that, couldn't I? And they let that affect me. But I know that I'm just worshipping God. I don't, I'm just doing it for God. You know, it's good to play well. The Bible says play skillfully. So we should practice. But you know, we do make mistakes. But the intention's there. I was doing my best to worship in the garden. Is that you? Is that us? Is that all of us? 
I need to examine my heart and ask God to change my heart too. This passage really challenged me. Matthew 7.1 says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. So, in a way, God judged Michal there because she became barren. She was a critic of the joy of David, which meant that she did not produce the fruit that God wants. When you're in love with Jesus, when you're worshipping God, when you're living for him, you bear fruit for the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus commands us to do, to bear fruit for his kingdom. Before Columbia, I wasn't really bearing fruit, really. Because I was being a critic of others. This makes you less effective. You are limited. You're living, but you're not really alive. Being the person that God wants you to be. This is why we pray, Lord, make me be the person you want me to be. God is very strict about this. We need to bear fruit. John 15.2 says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it would be even more fruitful. I love praying that, that passage. I love it when I say, Jesus, take, cut those branches, Lord, that aren't bearing fruit for you, Lord. Make me more effective for your kingdom, Jesus. We need to look at Michal as a person with our own weaknesses, our own, uh, our own being. How quick and easy we can become bitter with life's unexpected turns. But bitterness cannot remove or change the things that have happened. Often bitterness makes a bad situation worse. Deal with your feelings before they escalate out of control. A willingness to respond to God gives God the opportunity to bring good out of difficult situations. We can ask God for his guidance, his Holy Spirit. Finding that guidance in his word and by his Holy Spirit. Remember the, the power of his word. Word combined with the Holy Spirit equals power. There's power in the name of Jesus. Therefore, in summary of this passage, therefore, in summary of this passage, God is holy, isn't he? So holy. So we need to be sure we take him and his word strictly. We also learned that it's okay to rejoice. There's a time for rejoice and dance and celebration before the Lord. It's required. It's a strict instruction from God. He commands it from us to enjoy his presence. Because there's going to be a lot of it in heaven. So get used to it. (laughs) And point three. We need to be strict about being critical of others. It's not good for us. It's not good for them. As the prayer says, Jesus, prune those branches that aren't bearing fruit. Hallelujah. Shall we stand? Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, 
go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.